Okay. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We'll continue our study today in Galatians chapter 5. Back in the 1800s, an old preacher was passing by a group of young men. He's passing by these young men. And they're doing somersaults. They're standing on their heads. They're, they're leaping around for joy. And so he approaches one of the young men. He says, what, why, boys, whatever are you at? <laughs> or in other language, what are you doing? <laughs> he says, you seem to be delighted. And one of the younger men replied, ah, you would be delighted too, delighted too if you had been locked up in jail for three months. You would jump for joy when you come out. And that's what they were doing. The old preacher agreed that he would do the same, given the same situation. Then he thought about men and women who have been called to liberty in Christ. And have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And know the sweets of freedom in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes our hearts leap for joy, doesn't it? Oh my, born again, blood-washed children of God. The name of the message is called the liberty. Called the liberty, called the freedom. Called the freedom. Freedom and liberty from the prison house of sin is only found in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And only comes by the shedding of his precious blood that redeemed our eternal souls. And see, beloved, we've been translated from darkness to light. We've been taken from the prison house of sin and unbelief. Right? Now we still are plagued by unbelief and we're still plagued by sin, but we as believers are free. We've been set free from that prison house. We're free in Christ, beloved. Christ paid all our debt. Everything we owe. You know, and, and what a great debt we owed. Brother Dave, all our debts are paid. In Christ. And they're all. They're done. They're gone. Paid in full. Absolutely. Blotted out the handwriting ordinances that were against us. They were contrary to us. He took it out of our way. Nailing it to his cross. Isn't that wonderful? Having defeated principalities and powers. All our enemies are defeated. Forever. Amen, brother. Forever. My, so I say sinner friend who's still lost in your sins, there's, there's cleansing in the fountain of Emmanuel's blood. There's cleansing in the blood of Jesus Christ. So much so that the believer is set free. Isn't that wonderful, Brother Brian? We're set free, man. Woo! My, We've been released from the prison house of sin. Set free. Set free. What a happy condition. Eh? What a happy condition. And this is right now. Even though we still live in this world of woe and all this stuff, we're set free, beloved. In Christ. We're set free. My. 
Again, what a happy condition. Free from the wrath of God. Free from the justice of God. Free from the prison house of sin. And we have found out, haven't we, Brother Zane, that all that a sinner needs is found in Christ. We found that out by the grace and by the mercy of God. Now, now we say a new word. Dave said it earlier that we, we never wouldn't have even said hallelujah, which means praise ye the Lord in the Hebrew. Or, or praise ye the Lord in the scriptures means hallelujah in the Hebrew. Isn't that wonderful? You ever said praise ye the Lord? In Hebrew, you're saying hallelujah. <laughs> oh my, isn't that wonderful? My, oh my. And we have been pardoned. We have been fully pardoned. I mean fully pardoned by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful, eh, sister? It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Let's read now Galatians chapter 5. We'll read verses 8 to 15 to see the context of our verses today. We'll actually be just looking at one verse, which is verse 13. So as we read this, this remember last week we saw that Paul had written strong language. He said that he would, that these, these Judaizers would be cut off. In the Greek, that's amputated from the body. My, oh my. That's strong language. Remember that Greek scholar I told you about? And he said that's some of the strongest language that Paul uses in his letters. My. And the reason he, he wishes them to be amputated is so they won't cause any more trouble within the body. That's why. And you remember who the true words of these come from. They're the Holy Spirit's words, aren't they? Paul's just a pen man. Do you see how serious God takes this gospel? Do you see how serious it is to, to, for people to mess around with the finished work of Christ? My. My, oh my. Look at verse 8. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. So he's telling them that you being persuaded by these Judaizers, it doesn't come from God. It's not God. It's not God that's persuading you to, to leave the finished work of Christ and add man's works. It's not God. And he says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach, yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? If it, he's saying, if I preach circumcision except along with the finished work of Christ, why am I being persecuted? The whole reason he's being persecuted is because he's preaching salvation in Christ alone plus nothing. That's the gospel that will get you persecuted. That's the belief that will get you persecuted. Men don't mind if you say you've got to do this and you've got to do that. They're happy to try it. But you start saying that salvation's only by Christ plus nothing, only through his precious, precious blood redeeming our eternal souls, in your face, persecution. Oh, yeah. It'll happen. Look what he says here. Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Remember? We looked at that too. 
The offense of the cross is salvation in Christ alone. The fact that Christ died for his people and no one else is offensive to the natural man. The preaching of the total depravity of man is offensive to man. The preaching of election, God's choice of whom he saves, is extremely offensive to religious men and women. My, oh, my. And then he says here, I would that they even, I would, they were even amputated in the Greek, which trouble you. Amputated, cut off from the body. Now here's our verse for today. For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye not be consumed of one, one another. Now, our verse for today, look at this. For brethren, that, that ties, that's a tie-in to all that we've heard before. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So the for brethren, you've been called into liberty is transitional now in this portion of the text. It's transitional, reaching back to all that's preceded it and summing up the whole preceding argument for Christian liberty and looking ahead to what falls, which he'll be speaking about this all the way into chapter 6. Now remember, there was no chapter break, breaks when this was written. It was a letter. Man, we've, we put chapter breaks in there and sometimes you're like, why did they put it there? Right? So I, I, like to, I like to read this as a letter and just continue to read it with no breaks. It's wonderful. When you read it, don't look at chapter 6. Just keep reading the text. Right? We have a tendency to look, oh, chapter 6, oh, chapter 5. We all do it. <laughs> but read it as a letter. Read it as a letter. It flows much better. So it's transitional. It reaches back to that which, that which preceded it or which, which, which uh, yeah, preceded it, and summing it all up, and then looking ahead to that which follows. And we see in verses 13 to 15 an induction to a whole new aspect of the matter of Christian liberty, which is the danger of abusing it. There's a danger in abusing Christian liberty. That's why sometimes when, when we preach that we're free in Christ, absolutely free, Legalists will say, well, you're antinomians. No, I am not an antinomian. Spurgeon was accused of being an antinomian, and so I'm in good company. So was Paul. So we're in good company. My, oh my, but I am not an antinomian. We cannot go out that door and do whatever we want. And we're going to see that. There's a warning here. There's a warning for us. Let's read verses 13 to 15. For brethren, you have been called into liberty, that's freedom in the Greek, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now look at that. Use, use not that freedom for an occasion to the flesh. Don't say, well, and I've been, I've been, I've been guilty to say, well, I'm only a sinner. I've been guilty of that. My goodness. Oh, I got convicted when I put this message together about that. Let me tell you. 
For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, we were talking about this, Brother Zane, not long ago. One of the fruits of the Spirit is love. Where there's love for the brethren and love for one another, there's, there's the Spirit. But where there's, where there's anger and disputing and strife and, and not showing love, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. I'll tell you. If a person confesses Christ and is angry and mean and rotten all the time, they're probably not saved. Especially if there's a pattern of it. Because we can all get mean and angry and rotten sometimes, right? Yeah, more than we're met. But when there's a pattern of that, through years, there's something wrong, beloved. There's something wrong. He says, For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Christ did that for us, didn't he? He did, but that doesn't excuse us from loving our neighbor. Right? But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that that you be not consumed one of another. I used to live in a subdivision. It was hard for me to love my neighbor because this fellow next door, he blasted music so loud that it would make the wall on the one side of my house shake. And he's a gangbanger, so we went over there, you know, tried to, tried to get him to calm down. or to, He just blew us off like it was nothing. I called the cops a couple times. Started to go down a little bit. <laughs> what do you do? Praise God he moved me here. I don't have to listen to... We, we nicknamed him Max because he played his music on Max volume. <laughs> but I had a hard time loving that fella. I'll be honest with you. I didn't love him. You know what? Yeah. But see, it shows us that we can only love our neighbors in Christ, right? <laughs> but we're still commanded to be... To, and, and the whole thing we've, we see, seen that a couple of weeks ago, we are motivated now by love, by the love of God in our hearts, right? We're not the same people we were at one time. Amen, brother. Amen, brother Dave. We're not. We're, we're changed people, changed men, changed women in Christ, aren't we? Born again by that... Blessed Holy Spirit of God, the blessed Holy Spirit of God. My, oh my. And it says this in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you're not consumed of one another. That's what will happen. Oh my. People just start leaving. They had enough of it. Had enough of it, right? My. Aren't you thankful for the peace that we have now? Isn't it amazing, the peace that's here? It's absolutely incredible, isn't it? That's the Holy Spirit working. That's him. He's done that here. Isn't it wonderful? It's absolutely amazing. It's a joy to come to church now, isn't it? My, oh, my. Not that it wasn't a joy before, but there was tension in the air. Now it's joy. Oh, praise his mighty name. 
for the unity in Christ. Yes, that's right, brother. And that unity comes about by love. Right? How can two walk together except they be agreed? Can't walk with someone if, they're, if you have opposite views or, or even, even things that you, that you think should be done. Can't walk. Well, now there's blessed unity, isn't there? Oh, my. Again, these three verses uh, before us bring a very important transition between liberty in Christ and then the wrong use of liberty. The wrong use of liberty. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, gives us a much-needed, clear, practical instruction about walking in the Spirit. And this, this blessed truth is, is so important for we who are believers. Here he tells us this liberty is the liberty of love. It's the liberty of love. Look at verse 13. For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only use not that liberty for the occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. There are two great evils which, which our fallen human nature constantly is drawn to and needs to be avoided by we who are believers. Lasciviousness is defined as a noun that means a lack of moral restraint, especially in sexual behavior. It can also mean a disregard for laws, rules, or normal or moral norms. In both legalism and licentiousness are evil products of the flesh. They're products of the flesh. And Paul has devoted the larger part of this epistle to the task of exposing and denouncing legalism, right? He's already done that right up to now. And denouncing self-righteousness and the arrogance of the Judaizers. Whoever attempted to bring God's saint under the oppressive yoke of legal bondage. So they were trying to yoke those who were free the Judaizers are trying to yoke them down. And Paul's again stressing, you're free in Christ. You're free. And how that makes our, our soul just leap for joy. It's wonderful. My. And both legalism and licentiousness are evil products again of the flesh. My, oh, my. Now he turns to the subject of licentiousness. And we'll contrast the fruits of the flesh with the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to see that in a couple of weeks. He's going to show us, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh. First the flesh, then the Spirit. Now, it may seem strange that legalism, when it's prominent, produces licentiousness. But it's not a self-contradiction. Legalism gives birth to malice, strife, heresy, and slander. Who was ever more legalistic than the Pharisees? They were legalistic, weren't they? Oh my. Legalist, or the Pharisee prayed three times a day. He fasted twice in a week gave tithes of all that he had. He kept the Sabbath. He ate no unclean thing. He was a legalistic moralist. And he let people know it, too. I was telling, I was telling, Jake called me last night, and I was telling, I saw this vanity sign the other day. Or no, it was last year. You know what the guy had on his, his sign? Preacher. 
<laughs> I looked at that and I went, what? He wants everybody in this world to know he's a preacher. Well, I wonder what happens when somebody cuts him off. Eh? <laughs> I don't think he does in his mind. <laughs> Dave, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. But just wants everybody to know he's a preacher. And these Pharisees, they went around in their robes. See the guys with the collar today? They want everybody to know how religious they are. You see one of God's preachers when he's not preaching? He's in a t-shirt and walking around, mingling with everybody. One of the guys across the road says, you're, you're not like any other preacher I know. You dress like me. And I said, that's because I am like you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, my, you guys. Oh, my. But who was ever more, who, but who was ever more licentious than the, <coughs> than the Pharisee as well? He was both legalistic and he was licentious. He slandered the, the Son of God. He tried to trick the Savior into speaking against the law of Moses, against Caesar. And also remember that it was a band of religious legalists, Pharisees, who took a woman in adultery and bought her before Christ, but left their body behind. A lot of commentators think that they, they caught her with a Pharisee. Oh my, and what did the Lord say? After he said, he, he who has no sin cast the first stone, and from the eldest to the youngest, they start disappearing. And then there was no one to accuse him. And she said, go and, he said, go and sin no more. That was one of his sheep, beloved. My, oh, my. And she wouldn't sin anymore in Christ, right? Even though we're still, she still sinned after that, but in Christ, she's one of his lost sheep, man. Oh, my, paid in full, brother. Pay them fall. So religious legalists, they also took up stones to slay the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they crucified the Lord of glory, but that was all according to the foreknowledge of God, right? To satisfy their own lusts. So it's not surprising, therefore, that Paul brings in this solemn warning against the sensuousness right upon the heels of such a strong condemnation of legalism. Beloved, we are free. But our freedom in Christ is not a license to sin. It's not a license for us to sin. Rather, our freedom in Christ is the blessed liberty of love. And now to those who have been accustomed to regard the law as the only controlling factor that stands in the way of self-indulgence and sin, and free reign in sin, to those who have not been accustomed to the highest standard of ethics, the teaching of Christian liberty might, might easily mean that there's nothing to stand in way of an unrestrained indulgence of one's own impulses. That's why people say to you, if I believe like you believe, I could go and do whatever I want. They have no understanding of grace. They have no understanding of the grace. Do they, Zane? They have no understanding. They do not understand the constraining, restraining grace of God in Christ. My, oh, my. 
Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Now, Paul ran into this stuff. He ran into this stuff in his ministry. He ran into people saying, Brother Dave, they told me, well, you just go ahead and sin. And let's see what he, let's see what he says here in Romans chapter 6 about this. He ran into all kinds of these legalists. Look at this, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. Oh my. What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? There it is. Shall we continue in sin? So folks say to, to us, who, well, I can just go and do what I want. Paul says, will we continue in sin? God forbid. You see? No. That's contrary to grace, isn't it? My. Then look a little bit further down, verse 12. We'll read the verse 18. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. So when that temptation comes, let us by the grace of God plead to Christ. Plead to Christ. Please help me with this. Oh my. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. We've been raised from the dead, beloved. We were dead spiritually. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. It once had dominion over us. It once was so controlling over us. Now we can fight it by the grace of God. By the mercy of God. Oh my. For you are not under law, but under grace. Look at, in that wonderful words, Dave? For you're not under, you're not under the law, but under grace. Here it goes again. Here, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? See, there it is again. There's that same question. I can go and do whatever I want. That's basically what they're saying to him. He says, but under, shall, what then? Shall we, shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He says it again. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that, that ye were servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. Look at that, Brother Travis. We're free from sin. Being therefore then made free from sin. It's, that, that, that's a statement of fact. Yeah, it's just like shell. Yeah. Being therefore, being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. How were we made how were we made free from sin? Only in Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, amen, brother. Beloved of God, when Jesus Christ, God's sacrificial lamb, when he offered himself up, he hung on that cruel cross two thousand years ago, he was made a curse for us, for his people, all those he represented. Therefore, our blessed Redeemer delivered us. He delivered us from the curse of the law. We've been delivered out from under the law, beloved. Oh, that's wonderful news, isn't it? Oh, and Jesus Christ perfectly honored. Sister, he perfectly honored God's law for you and I and for all his people. Perfectly, perfectly, absolutely perfectly. My, it's wonderful. And therefore, we are free. And you know, the only righteousness that God will accept is the righteousness of Christ. It has to be perfect, right? 
I did my tie today. I said, I said, look, hon, I did my tie perfectly, <laughs> like this. And then in my head goes, no, nah, they're not perfect. <laughs> Isn't that funny how the Holy Spirit just gives us little reminders? There's only one, and what came in my mind was there's only one perfect, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. I was just thinking my tie looked good, but no. It's, it's just amazing, though, isn't it? We, but but that's, a, that's a good reminder for us, isn't it? It looks good. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> that's a good reminder for us, though, isn't it? That he's the only one perfect. Everything I do is tainted with sin. Everything. Oh, my. And so because he's our righteousness, and he's, his righteousness is the only righteousness that God will accept, the scripture declares this. That Christ is the end of, end of the law for righteousness for his people. So you see how much error the Judaizers are in then? Adding something man does to the finished work of Christ. They've just made, they've just made it void. How much, how much, remember the helium balloon John Claude said about? John Claude said grace is like a helium balloon. Balloon full of helium. Just take a little pin. It doesn't deflate the balloon right away, but what happens over time? That's what happens if you put a pinprick of works into grace. Just a pinprick. Oh, my. So rejoice, beloved of God. God himself has blotted out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. God himself did that. The Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. It's washed clean in his blood, beloved. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, and he took out those handwritten ordinances that was against us that were contrary to us. Oh, guilty, 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 Wayne. And nailed it to his cross. What a savior, beloved. What a redeemer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. My, took it out of the way. Took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So now we're free. Free. Free from the condemnation of sin. Free from the power of sin. Oh, my. Mm. And the Holy Spirit not only reveals to us that we were, that we're not under the law of Moses, but he set us free from temple worship, free from animal sacrifices, free from observance of holy days, free from circumcision, free from external riches, or rituals, free from the power of darkness, free from the power of Satan, and free from the power of sin. Delivered. Absolutely, fully delivered, beloved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Oh my, I tell you. Mm. So rejoice, remember this? If the Son shall make you free, you're free indeed. Amen, Brother Dave. You're free indeed. See how this ties in? What blessed liberty we have in Christ. My. Now, Christian liberty is not to be abused. It's not, it's not to be an excuse to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we forget rules of moderation or if we make liberty a stumbling block to weaker Christians, that's, that's the other thing too. There's things that I can do in Christ that I'm free to do. But if I'm with a brother or sister, right, who, who that, that'll make them stumble, never do it. Never do it in front of them. Never. 
Never. You have the freedom to do that in your own home or if you're not with them somewhere, but never do it in front of them. Make a brother or sister stumble. Never. Never. And that's what... Yeah, amen. Stumble is, is, is struggling and falling over the fact Paul used... Paul used eating meat to an idol as an, as an example. He said, okay, here, Paul said, I can eat this meat that's offered to the idol. I can, I can mow down on that steak like it's nothing. But if I have a brother that came out of worship in that idol, and he's with me, right, he may be going, oh my gosh, how's he doing? Why? It, that'll make him stumble. That'll, make him, that'll give him trouble. That'll, that'll give him unrest. There's no peace in that for him. So Paul says, I won't eat that in front of him. I'm not going to do that in front of him. Because I don't want to make him stumble. I don't want, to, I don't want him to get anxious. I don't want him to, to, to think, how can my brother Paul eat this stuff? He's supposed to be a born-again Christian. Now Paul's got the liberty to do that, doesn't he? But he says, I won't do that. Because I, I don't want to hurt my younger brother. Or my weaker brother. See, it's so important for us to do that. So important for us to do that. Oh, my. So we've been called on the liberty, but we're not to use that liberty or, uh, to, to, in an abusive way. In an abusive way. is an occasion to the flesh. And those who believe that, that grace gives them license to sin, they don't have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them. I'll tell you that right now. They don't. They think, oh, I can go do whatever I want. God will forgive me. That is not the Spirit of Christ. I'm telling you flat out, that's not the Spirit of Christ. And all of God's born-again, blood-washed saints are aware of the weakness of our flesh. We're not like those who have deceived themselves into believing that, that they have ceased from sin. No, we understand that we sin every day. Oh, we're so weak. We're so weak. And we don't like that they've deceived themselves into believing that they ceased from sin because they haven't. I got a friend, I talk to him, he talks like everybody else is a sinner but him. My oh my. We're all sinners. And God's given us his Holy Spirit and Christ who dwells in us causes us to hate sin and to love righteousness. Let's read verse 13 again. And I'll read it with the Greek, which means freedom for liberty. For brethren, ye have been called into freedom. Use not, only use not freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And again, the Holy Spirit by the pen of Paul has shown us the excellence of the gospel throughout this epistle and has denounced all possibility that sinners can be justified by human works. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to go a little longer here. He has shown us in Galatians 3 that a man cannot be justified by any works which he does. My, oh, my. And keep note of, of, of verse 3 here. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, starting in verse 1. Who hath bewitched you? Who put you under a spell that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Paul set, set forth before them that salvation's only in Christ. This only will I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith. 
Are you so foolish? Look at this. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? See, he just hits it head on, doesn't he? Head on. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you in the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth that he by the works of the law, brother, here in the faith. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. In the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of the faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Note in verse, verse 3 there, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Oh my, what a question, eh? That solves everything right there, doesn't it? Can a, can a man take fire into his bosom without being burned? Proverbs says, nope, right? Can a man walk on coals and his feet won't be burned? No. Can a man, can a man play around with adding to the finished work of Christ and be saved? Nope. It's all by the free grace of God. I didn't get to the end. Next week we'll look at that last part about love. I knew when I was putting that together it was too long, Wing. So, man, oh man. Oh my. <laughs> oh man. Brother uh, Kevin, can you close us in prayer, brother?